This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Everybody right now caught in the jostle for space in the race Trying to keep up with the pace by space round cram Everybody is jamming, jamming, jamming Jamming for a better life, a better way of living In the meantime, simple things we forgetting Like how to say good morning, morning neighbor Oh yeah, good morning neighbors Welcome to the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show on Power 102 Digital Thank you, Evie, for our news. We have another news brief coming up at 8 o'clock. All right. Quickly, let's take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. You got some traffic headed out of Carnage this morning from pretty much uh, Big Yard all the way out, okay? And then get heavier um, when you merge with Diggo Martin, all right? Let's take a look at Diggo Martin see what they have. Yep, all routes out of Diggo Heavy, out of Maraval, Mocha, Heavy, Santa Cruz, Heavy. Going to Bleed Young Road, you're heavy as well. Let me head east and make my way down west. Um, Enter your traffic again, starting on the Churchill Roosevelt Highway, Piaco to Yui, and then uh, Valsane to Port of Spain. Eastern Main Road, not like yesterday, chock a block, I tell you. From Arima Old Road, you've got traffic and pretty much gets it's heavy and then you'll slower. As you head towards Mobile Junction, party bus routes are a bit busy as well. Don't you said Helena and Kelly Village, and you got Ibis Gardens. Um, yeah, you got Ibis Gardens straight out to Q-Rep this morning. You've got traffic, all right? Rivulet Road is heavy. Uh, San Fernando, you're beginning to build a little bit. Yep. And then, uh, oh boy. Then, uh... We've got a minor accident in the vicinity of uh, Gulf View. All right. You've got a, a, a minor accident there on the South Trunk Road. Ouch. Yeah. All right. And that's pretty much it. Usual streets in San Fernando, you've got some traffic, but not as heavy as usually is. All right. Looking at my cameras by the Beatham. Sun is shining. Make sure you have a UV protecting shade. Um, the I need to move in towards the light, but there is some serious traffic as well. Carney getting on to the Churchill Roosevelt Highway when it goes northbound. Yep. You've got some traffic. Alright. Uh, of course, we'll get the result. Let me check to see if, uh, if I get any more votes for Richie Rich. Uh, no, I don't. So let me get my guest online by the time you give, give the results, my friend. Where did Richie go? Richie. Oh, 
Paul, Richard, anybody? I'm right here. Okay. After I called so, you a uh, zillion po- times. You read out the poll again? The poll this morning was, do you agree that the Trinidad and Tobago Police Service should specify and document the policy for the number of police required for events? Um, over the allotted time, we had 14 people weighing in on the poll. 100% in that direction said, yes, they agree that a policy should be put in place, so it's clearer. So certainly our listeners are on your side, Rome, and well on the Promoters Association side with regard to that issue. So, yeah. So that's it. So I know Steve is trying to get our guests yeah, online. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a lovely lady online. Lovely lady. I do have Risa Ramlogan Joda. She's the second vice president of the OWTU. All right. So, Risa, good morning to you and welcome to the Power Breakfast Show. A pleasant good morning to you and good morning to all the listeners. All right, I'm the rose with the two thorns, the two thorns being <laughs> Paul Richards and Richard Ragubasi. Recording in progress. And that is Dorothy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so good, good morning. morning. You, do you mind me calling you, Risa? Good morning. This is Richard. No, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Um, so, I know, but so, of course, you know, there's so many issues going on with regard to the energy sector, one. But let's start off with the issue of the TNTech rates. <laughs> Because I know right. the OWTU would have submitted mm-hmm. um, whatever their position was with regard to the TNTEC rates while the public um, consultations are taking place. I know they have taken place in Center of Excellence and in ARIMA mm-hmm. thus far. Um, um, has the OWTU been physically present or represented at those consultations? No, unfortunately, um, one of the reasons being, of course, um, the RIC seems to be releasing the location of these consultations at a very late moment. However, we have every intention of being present at the upcoming session, so we're now monitoring the website um, for the moment that these uh, publications are released. What is the OW2's position with regard to it? Because um, the, the, the powering of electricity throughout Trinidad Tobago, of course, is connected to the energy sector where mm-hmm. the OWTU has its base. So you would have a, a, a better, I suppose, maybe a better insight in, than mm-hmm. the average citizen in terms of power generation and the connection to natural gas, et cetera, et cetera. What's the OWTU's position with regard to that that prospective hike in TNTEC rates? All right. So as it stands right now, um, the OWTU does not support an increase in prices, residential prices, especially as it relates to our residential customers. And the reason for that is simple. Huh? There are a number of internal issues in TNTEC that are yet to be sorted out. And it is quite possible that uh, having addressed these issues, there may not necessarily be a need for an increase at this point in time, or even if there is, it would not be a significant one. The timing of this rate review, which would have resulted in a rate increase, seems to be wrong. The timing is off, and I'm saying that because the reality of it is that 
we as a people are still trying to find ways and means to be able to recover from from what we would have been plunged into as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so now to add this on top of all of the burdens that we are presently carrying, it's going to be tremendously difficult for a, a lot of people, a lot of people. Well the, well, the Prime Minister recently said, I think even at that, was it at the energy conference or somewhere else, but pretty recently, he said, he quotes the, the phrase, uh, when is the right time? There is no right time. You just need to do X, Y, Z. I'm paraphrasing, but basically along that line, when is the right time? How, how do you answer to that? Um, I think as, as a government, there has to be consideration for the issues that are being faced by the people within the country. And it is no secret. I mean, there were many other forms of assistance that were given to citizens across across the world um, from their respective governments. What, however, in Trinidad, we all know what we were faced with. You had grants that were advertised as being available, but there are so many people, the majority of people, who said that they were never able to access it, or there were too many red tapes. They they weren't able to eventually get the grants. And and the reality is. We just cannot at this point in time. And what is going to happen as a result of that? You're going to do a rate increase, and now you're going to face, TNTEC is going to face a situation where you are not going to only have a climbing debt by the public sector, but also by the private sector, which at this point in time seems to be pretty manageable. Because out of the $1.7 billion that is owed to TNTEC, 1.4 is owned by the government and government agencies. So it tells you at this point in time that the citizenry is, is still, by some way or the other, meeting their demands with regard to their electricity bill. But would it now be possible? And is it that TNTEC is going to be plunged into an additional debt? Good morning. You talked about, you talked about the internal issues being a, be, of TNTEC um, needing to be addressed. Um, can you uh, clarify what you meant by those internal issues? All right. Um, so the two main issues are, one, TNTEC receivables, which I would have just touched on. Um, the fact that the government has not been paying its bills, the government's agencies has not been paying its bills. And that has contributed to the financial state of TNTEC. And secondly, of course, is the power purchase agreement. Despite attempts for renegotiation of the power purchase agreement, um, there seems to be no real progress. In, in with regards to that. And we cannot continue as a country, not only TNTEC, um, but as a country in the manner in which we are at this point in time with the power purchase agreement. Now, a lot of the citizenry doesn't know, but the onerous power purchase agreement that is currently in place until 2029, I believe it was, uh, it is, sorry, um, is one which requires, it is a, it is a take or pay arrangement, meaning that um, there's a certain output coming from one of the major power producers, which is TGU. I think it's about 720 kilowatts. 720, yeah. There's a certain output coming from TGU. But TNTEC, there's no way that TNTEC can utilize all of what is coming from TGU. Yet still, TNTEC is required to pay for all of the power, that is, all of the literacy that is being produced. And that has, ha- it, is, it is having a strain on TNTEC to the extent where it is definitely contributing to the financial situation that TNTEC is in. The other issue is that of the natural gas. While it may have been um, 
some somewhat of a better arrangement at the time that uh, it was negotiated. Where we are at this point in time as a country, Tiantec cannot continue to pay NGC for gas, which goes to the power producers. The power producers utilize that gas to generate electricity, and Tiantec then pays again to get electricity from the power producers. That is something which is putting Tiantec in a very disastrous position, and it has to be addressed. There has to be a renegotiation of the power purchase agreement. Good morning again. Uh... Going back to the, the, the issue of the residential consumers, has the OWTU been able to do a survey of the of the consumer base? And I, I ask that in the context of, 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 do you think that there should be a national survey of poverty levels in the country uh, to provide some sort of context for this proposed rate increase, given the other increases in cost of living that the general public is facing? I would say yes. There, there has there has to be some sort of a real data to be utilized because, as it stands right now, um, we would have heard what is the situation with the uh, central statistical office. Um, data that is being produced doesn't seem to be up to date, and that in itself is proven to be a challenge because now here you are making the end of position where you have to make decisions. But the data that is necessary to make access to making decisions are not up to date. So then it is a real possibility that you are going to lean towards a decision that will ultimately have a great impact and you may not know the extent of the impact because you, don't, you just don't have the information available. And this is also one of the reasons why the OWT is saying that it seems to be something that um, while we understand that there was a need for a rate review because it has been outstanding for quite some time, all of the aspects have to be taken into consideration, and that is certainly one. Well, well the issue also, uh, because any rate increase, uh, residential, commercial, and industrial will also have knock-on effects on the prices of other goods and services, putting further burden on the general population. And um, that is something that we would have been raising, we would have been highlighting, that it is going to be somewhat of a double whammy, um, to the citizenry, because once businesses have to pay an increase in cost, which is going to be a substantial amount, they are not going to bear the burden of that cost. It is going to be passed on to the consumers. Cost of living is already it's, it's sky high. It is through the roof, right? Now to further exacerbate that situation by adding an increase as a result of um, an increase in electricity rates, it is going to be it's going to be an extreme burden and an extreme hardship that the citizenry just cannot bear. And that is why we're saying the residential customers at this point in time, there should be some consideration in that regard. Um, even if it is to implement what has to be implemented in a phased basis, you know, so that it, it, it can be manageable, people can make the necessary adjustments over time. But to add all of this burden at one point in time, it is going to break the back of the citizenry. Do you think the RIC is conversant with the situation of the ordinary citizen? I asked that in the context of the first consultation, provided some interesting insight with, I think, a man called Mr. Khan, not Steve Khan, uh, making a statement about ordinary persons and air conditioners. Now, it may have come across, it, it went viral, and many were making all sorts of comments about it, but it spoke to someone, to me, 
who was out of touch with the average citizens' lives and what their lives entail. And if that sort of person is making imp- having inputs into what is going to be a proposed increase, to me, it's going to end up out of the context of what an ordinary citizen can and cannot afford. Are you concerned about those consultations, what you've seen so far? Most definitely. And I mean, we have been um, getting feedback from the ground. And that is something that, you know, a lot of persons, um, they they would not have taken lightly. Um, you see, over the years, we have been working so hard as a people to better ourselves, to be able to ensure that our families can enjoy, you know, a certain level of comfort. We have been making sacrifices to be able to provide for our families so that our children who are now attending universities, they can come home and they can enjoy a level of comfort, right? And these things don't come free. We as a people make the sacrifices to be able to enjoy these things. So to have to now face this sort of a comment, and um, I heard one young lady talk, and she's correct. It is a comment which is similar to the coal pot comment and the bicycle comment. And it tells you that, and it, it leaves the question, is RIT really an independent body? Because they're echoing the same sentiments that are being echoed by um, persons within the government. And the, it begs the question, are these consultations really genuine? And I touched on the issue earlier where RIT seems to be putting out very late notices with regards to this consultation. Is it that they're trying to um, they're trying to manage uh, the number of people that are coming out to have their voices heard? And it, it you touched you said you spoke specifically of Mr. Khan and there has been a lot of negative feedback coming from the ground with regards to the manner in which these consultations are being conducted and Mr. Khan's input. And I'm really hoping that going forward he can have not only him, but all the other members of the panel can have a more understanding approach to the cries of the citizenry. If we could just move quick um, a bit to uh, the Paria inquiry and what the OWTU thinks of those, I mean, quite, uh, what's the word? Insightful, emotional, uh, devastating in some regard, testimony from different people. Uh, to me, it just seemed like at some stage an exercise in risk um, and liability reduction. That's my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts or what's the OWTU thoughts on how it went and what has come out so far? Well, all I can say is that the OWTU remains hopeful. And we have been monitoring the inquiry very closely um, because as most of you may be aware, um, OWTU would have been present and on site from the moment that this incident took place, this very tragic incident. Our hearts continue to go out to the families of these divers. I mean, I myself personally would have sat down and I, I took in a number of um, these uh, these sessions, sometimes at late hours in the night, only to be able to hear what is being said. And a lot of what would have been said is really and truly not what would have occurred and how, how the sequence of events played off. And it is very sad and unfortunate. Huh? And I'm not sure if um, these persons who are high office holders would have been aware, but these sessions were not only aired in Trinidad, it was made available throughout the world. And it now puts a damper over Trinidad and Tobago and the level of competence that we have in Trinidad and Tobago. But 
um, with regard to the outcome of it, we continue to remain hopeful, but we also continue to closely monitor the situation. Hopeful, hopeful as to what? What? What is the hope? Hopeful that um, the the outcome of the inquiry would result in some sort of a justice to the families of these drivers. Do you think, from 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 the information that the OWTU has, because at one stage, uh, the com- the chairman, Mister Lynch, asked if any changes had been made regarding uh, responses to Delta P uh, incidents, and the answer was no. Do you think the requisite changes in protocols, procedures, safety safety um, approaches have been instituted since that to ensure that there's a very reduced likelihood that this could ever happen again. And I would say, even if there were changes, it, it was not to the extent that it's supposed to be, and I'm saying that because you're hearing a lot of whispers coming from the workers within Paria. And the reality of it is that a lot of them are just trying to put bread on the table. It is not necessarily an environment where health and safety are of a uh, 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 priority, a major priority, but they have to provide for their families. So they continue doing what they do on a daily basis just to be able to do so. And we continue to hear incidents coming out of barrier where persons, um, uh, their, their, their welfare and their well-being are being affected because of shortcomings which exist within the organization. It's strange to hear you say that because I know in the past, in the in the previous iteration of Petrotrin, health and safety issues that were significant enough were met by down tools. And I'm not suggesting you should as the only recourse, but a lot of uh, public awareness. If in, in a sector like the energy sector where, where safety is paramount, you're saying that there are safety issues pervading that are of concern to workers, yet we're not hearing about it outside at any significant level, especially in the context of what happened regarding that tragedy in February 2022. Why is that so? And the answer to that is that the recognized majority union, which would have been the RMU, would have been a major driving force with regards to HSE. Um, obviously, because we understand the the extent to which workers um, lives at risk when they carry out certain job functions in that sort of an environment. And OWTU would have been a major driving force to ensure that safety protocols were observed. And yes, you're correct. There were a number of instances where um, work came to a halt because there were proper procedures in place that should have been guiding processes. And once there was any fault or any shortcoming, um, after raising it through the appropriate channels and it was not addressed, then the workers had the right to down tools. And the workers still have that right under the OSH Act. But the thing is, there's a level of intimidation because there's not a recognized majority union in Paria. So there's a level of intimidation and workers are fearful that if they speak up for their own health and for their own safety, then we all know what the result of that may possibly be. And that's why workers chose to continue to work, but at the same time, you hear the murmuring coming out of Paria. Are you suggesting the workers are in those instances where their health and safety concerns working under duress? Um, I, I would not say duress. I just think that workers need to realize that they have a right 
under the OSH Act, they have a right to refuse to work on the grounds of safety, right? Um, they may not have that level of support internally with regards to, you know, um, officers who can stand in support of them and raise their issues with the management, but they still have that right and they have the right also to exercise that right. Well, there was a suggestion by the unions when the decision is made to shut down Petrofin that it was a, this was a union busting, partly a union busting exercise. What is the scenario with present workers of Paria? Is it that they're, they're, they're not allowed to join a union? Is it that the union has not been recognized as a majority representing entity? What's the sad scenario there? All right. Um, so any worker, as I just said, has a right to be a member of a union. Um, with regards to the situation in Paria at this point in time, I would prefer not to get um, go into any details because I... I I don't want to say anything that will make anybody feel uncomfortable um, to work in the environment that they are working in. But just to clarify the question, the, the response to the question, um, any worker, once you're a worker, you have a right to become a member of a trade union um, and to exercise that right. Yeah. What is, the, what is the status? I don't know if you have any information on the status of the refinery and the sale of the refinery. Well, um, I mean, the general public knows that as it stands right now, OWT would not have been given the refinery um, despite the long process that we would have been involved in. Um, that is a very sensitive matter at this point in time. Sensitive meaning that um, they're, they're, it is being looked at legally. So I would not really, I would prefer not comment any further on that particular item. Especially since, of course, I am, I am, while I'm an executive officer and um, I, I have information, I, I don't want to, you know, put anything out that um, is not supposed to be out at this point in time with regards to the refinery situation. Okay, I was just wondering if there was a preferred buyer and whether there was any progress on whether OWG, but yeah, your point that, that it may become a legal issue. Um, yeah, I, I, got, I got, I got uh, a, a message from one of our listeners with regard to the PPA, the Power Producers Agreement, and they're saying that the only way the government of Trinidad and Tobago is able to get the very favorable cost of natural gas from NGC um, is through that PPA. Otherwise, TNTEC would have to pay the market rate, which is three times the cost that TNTEC pays. Um. Let me be quite honest with you all. That power purchase agreement, it seems to be um, a very uh, a document that is top secret. The union has been trying to get our hands on a copy of that power purchase agreement for quite some time, and we have not been able to do so. While we do know certain aspects of the power purchase agreement, all of it um, we are not aware of. But, I mean, we would know what has been the arrangement thus far with TNTEC and NGC, TNTEC and the power producers. Um, so I, I'm not going to say yay or nay to that. I'm just saying that it's information that um, we would have to ourselves corroborate. Okay. And this person is also saying that the cost to deliver electricity to customers is more than two times the price customers pay. So when TNTech sells electricity at less than half the cost for delivering it, 
then this leads City and Tech unable to recoup its costs. Listen, Earl, we um we live in a country where we have a lot of resources that other countries that we are being compared to they don't have. And as a people, we need to be able to reap uh, the benefits of the resources that we have. And it comes back down to um, the management of this entire thing. The, the bad policy decisions that are made by the government, the people are the ones who suffer as a result of those decisions. And we see that on a, on a, on a daily basis. For instance, the closure of Petrotrim. Trinidad and Tobago has not yet recovered and not anytime soon will recover from the closure of Petrotrim, you know. And you hear it, you hear it, it's Crystal San Fernando. The southern area is like a ghost town compared to what it used to be. You have businesses way up on, on the northern side of Trinidad, on the eastern side of Trinidad. They would remark that the closure of Petrotrim has seriously affected them. They would have had to close a number of branches that they had to be able to try and manage just one because they're just not unable to. The U.S. is an issue at this point in time. It's a real issue. And these are decisions that were not made by the people. It was decisions that were made by the government. But we are the people, and we suffer as a result of these decisions. In terms of the opposition to the to the rate increase, and of course, it's not only OWTU. Um, I mean, I've seen David Abdullah um, rally against the rate increase. You have many citizens who are coming forward um, with regard to the rate increase. Um, businesses have already said, the Supermarkets Association has already said that um, it's going to be concerning because prices are going to go up again in groceries with regard to the rate increase because, of course, supermarkets are big consumers of electricity. Right. Do, you, do you think that all of this objection um, that the RIC is hearing is going to translate into a stay of the rate increase, or do you think there's still going to be some level of rate increase? Um, I, I, to be quite honest with you, I, it, and that is why I ask the questioner if these consultations are genuine. And from what we have been seeing thus far, it doesn't seem to be genuine. It seems as though they are just doing what they are required to do to be able to say it was done. We would have had the consultation. But then, like I said, what, what do you want to see in the consultation? What changes in the consultation would you like to see to make, to, to give you the impression that it's genuine? Just judging from the manner in which um, the, the, those who sit at the head table respond to the concerns that are being raised by the citizenry, it tells you that it is a, it, there, there's a sort of a cold-hearted approach to this thing, that, you know, this is something that has to be done, and it would be done. But I'm You're suggesting really it's a formality, so what would you like to see? You're describing what you're seeing. What would you like to see? What changes well, would you of, like to make in the format? Well, first of all, what we would like to see is, and as and a simple start, put out a schedule to the public so that persons can make themselves available to be able to attend to have their voices heard. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I was listening to one particular clip, and um, there was an individual who raised a comment about a section in the act. And the response that was given, it left one to wonder, well, what is really taking place? We have to review this act with our legal team. You, are, you sit in a place of authority. 
you are supposed to have an understanding of what is in the app. You you can't be at a forum which treats with issues like these and then say, well, we can't answer that right now because we have to review the app with our legal team. And that's what I'm speaking about. Those sort of responses, it, it's just a kind of brush-off brush off approach, right? When the citizenry asks the relevant questions, the relevant answers are to be given. And if it is that there has to be additional support on the team with the RIC, meaning at this point, well, I, I guess they've realized they, they need the assistance of um, a legal person, we hope to see those improvements going forward so that when the concerns are raised and the questions are asked, answers can be provided then and there. Are there questions that the public should be asking that you haven't heard yet that you'd like to suggest that the question that is in their interest to ask? Um, what I can say, what I can say is that um, OWTU will definitely be present at the next session in Trinidad. I believe it is going to be at SAPA from the information we have thus far. And um, I would encourage members of the public to come out. We would have been doing a sensitization um, with regards to the power purchase agreement, the debt owed by the government, the NGC issue. And um, there are a lot of questions that will be put put to the the, the, the head table at these sessions. Um, and we're really asking that members of the public come out. Um, we ourselves will try as best as possible to, once we get the information, advertise the location so there will be a wider reach. Um, so that persons can come out, listen to the conversations, and have their input as well. But are there questions, specific questions, that the public should be asking in their own interest, from the union's perspective, that are, that have not been asked so far of the of the Regulated Industries Commission? Um, Whether see, it be for residential, commercial, or industrial. There are questions that are being asked, but the questions are not being answered. One of the questions that would have been asked is, what is the plan to recover the money that is currently owed by the government? This $1.7 billion. It was $1.4 billion, Sorry. It was $1.3 billion at the end of October. By December, it went up to $1.4 billion. And that's what I'm saying. It's a claim in that. When, um, when the general manager of TNTEC uh, sat on the Joint Select Committee, I believe it was in 2019, he would have identified a list, a long list of items um, that they had proposed to implement to be able to recoup from private citizens. And when we looked at what was in place for government businesses, there was just a one-liner. There continues to be discussions with the government and the government agencies. That is inadequate. It is woefully inadequate because if we look at what was owed then to what is owed now, it is a debt that continues to climb. And if we are to now increase rates and uh, the government continues to not pay their bills, there's just going to be a crime in that. And TNTEC, is it going to make the situation any better for TNTEC? So, I mean, there has to be responses to these questions. Yes, you're talking about the citizenry, but what about the government? What is, what is the plan in place to have the government not only make good on their debt, but pay their bills and pay it in a timely manner going forward. All right. Are you willing to take a couple of calls uh, so that the public can interface with you? Um, and that's, that's not a problem, but I'm just letting you know my phone is on 3% at the moment. Okay, we understand. 
All right, we'll see how many we can get in. The numbers are? 222-8255. North Americans, toll free. 866-525-1099. All right? That's our numbers directly into our studio. Going back to the Petrotrin thing and the and the, the, the well the lack of clarity and what is happening with that refinery. Isn't it that the longer the, it, it stays to be sold or, or or restarted, the more uh damage the facility gets, the more it turns the junk. Is that an inappropriate assumption? No, that is a correct statement. Um I mean and it's simple. If if you have a vehicle and it's not being taken care of, eventually it will reach a stage where, um, you know, to be able to bring it back is going to be a very difficult task. And Isn't it also impacting the, its general value? That is correct. All right. We do have some calls, gentlemen, and our lovely guest, Risa. So let's go to it. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, morning. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning. Good yeah, morning, Mr. Um, Patrick. Uh, Mr. Good morning, Mrs. Morning. Good morning. Um, I, 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 I hear listening to the conversation and two things only running through my mind. Mm-hmm. Subsidy and debt. The government owns one point something billion dollars in debt, right? One point And it's an ongo- ongoing thing from how long? A very long time. Right. What, what it is, TN Tech? Or the government put it in place to deal with that. Because it's gonna make no sense. You're raising people like balancing and the government owns all that money. If they put that money back into the coffers, they might not need to raise no liability, they could fix the business and the subsidy. How much subsidy the government gave the hand? Um I, I, I can't answer directly on that right now. I hear it was a large subsidy. <laughs> so, so I don't know if the government has to subsidize current people in Trinidad and Tobago and the people that educated themselves how to use power. And so you're correct, huh? And that is one of the things, and I just, I would have just... Thank um, you, Mr. Patrick. I would have just raised that with the... Right? Um, that is a question which has to be answered the debt that is owed by the government and the government agencies. Now, the reality of it, you can't cut a hospital, you can't cut a school, you can't cut health centers, and that is understandable. But that does not give you the authority to take advantage of the situation. It doesn't. As it stands right now, Tiantec is owed by Flo. Tiantec is owed some $23 million by Flo. Flo is not paying the bill. Tech took a decision to discontinue allowing Flo to use their infrastructure, and um, the court would have ruled otherwise, that because the larger population would be affected, that they can continue to do so. Not because it's electricity, and we understand that it's an essential service. It means that Tech is going to be kept in the situation that it is in. And again, it is the people that suffers as a result of these things that happen. Tech electricity is an essential service and it should also be an essential bill. Essential meaning that it's a bill that has to be paid, a mandatory bill. You just can't continue to keep it climbing knowing that, well, um, Tech knows it's an essential service so they wouldn't cut us. 
Because when you or I or TNTEC and the next bill cycle comes along and we don't pay our bill, we are going to be disconnected. We have to pay reconnection fees. But that doesn't happen. It's not happening with government agencies. All right. We have another call. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. I'm the representative of OWTOs. Now, um, probably, I'd ask this question, probably for clarification from her, um, in reference to why I heard that she said that um, the OWTO is opposed to the, the rate increase. Um, can she verify to me, based on the ruling of the industrial courts, um, last year, in a case represented by the OWTU, and I believe TNTEC um, police, if I'm not um, correct, um, where the OWTU recommend, in terms of the payment of individuals at TNTEC, look at rate increase. All right? Um, because there's a ruling from the industrial court pertaining to that, in terms of OWTU response. And I find it very strange that they are taking up this stance right now. All right? And secondly, um, can she appreciate that the RIC is not in terms of managing the um, TNTEC in terms of recuperating costs? If she could verify that for me, because it seems to be a blurred line in terms of what it is, what is the responsibility of the RIC and what is the responsibility of the TNTEC board. Thanks. Thank you, caller. All right. So um, the, the caller would have been very free in the audio, but I think I got the questions, right? And with regard to the first question, um, OWTU, for quite some time now, would have been saying that there is a need for a rate review, particularly among the multinational companies who continue to make a lot of money. Um, they derive a lot of profit as a result of the uh, low tariffs that they pay and those profits are not circulated within the economy of Trinidad and Tobago. And that is why OWT is at this point in time saying we are opposed to the rate increase among residential customers. Not particularly the, the large multinational co um, companies, but the residential customers. Also, to, to, to be the, one of the reasons why, additionally, would be the fact that the economic situation is one where residential customers at this point in time may not be able to afford an increase both in their homes and also um, the additional costs that will be passed on by businesses once there is an increase in that regard. And that is why I would have indicated earlier on that there should be somewhat of a phased approach, an incremental, uh, a phased approach, sorry, um, to any increase. Um, especially among the residential customers. So it will, give, it will give the citizenry adequate time to be able to carry that burden. It is not a burden that they can be at this point in time. And yes, I do appreciate the fact I understand fully well how RIC is, is supposed to operate. But RIC, obviously, um, they would make decisions based on what is presented by TNC. That's it, battery run out. Yeah, I lost her. But, but she did warn us. She did warn us. That's why I said battery run out. She did warn us, yeah. Yeah. Her battery was low, so. 
So that was Risa um, from she's the second vice president of WTU. And um, you know the point that keeps coming up is and it's a valid question. The state owes one point four billion dollars. A residential is it four hundred million? Is it that's it? Point four. Probably somewhere around there, yeah. Or something like that. Clearly, the bigger impact on TNTX operations fiscally is the state's, uh, what the state owes. That doesn't mean that the residential customers shouldn't also pay what they need to pay. But but everyone knows, if you do pay a bill, and they come in and cut your lights, mm -hmm. uh, Risa is right. You cannot uh, disconnect a hospital. You cannot disconnect a school, or you shouldn't anyway, because there'll be life lost if you disconnect a hospital. What about ministries? Why is Flo allowed to run up that kind of debt? Is it that Flo is part owned by the state? Not that I know of. Not that I know of as well. So why is Flo, a commercial entity, private sector, allowed to run up that kind of debt? You know, so it also speaks to a certain level of management issues at TN Tech. I mean, quite frankly, they can't do nothing about the state, you know, because they, when they call the boss and the boss say, um, don't cut them, you can't cut them. <laughs> you understand? Mm -hmm. yeah. it, that will come down from the board of directors interfacing at that level with the ministries and the ministers and stuff like that and the PSs. But certainly, a company like Flow or other commercial or industrial clients that are defaulting on their payments, if, if if you encourage that or, or don't deal with that, they're going to continue to, to default. And TNT finds itself in this position. And my question about, we don't even know what the poverty level in the country is. We don't even know what people can afford now, far less what will happen when, they, when they, the proposed increases take place and the impact on the ordinary citizens, not only in their individual electricity bills for their homes, but certainly and commercial and industrial where the prices of goods and services are going to go up and put further burden on the general population in an already extremely difficult time. So we'll see. Yeah. And she did complain about the fact that they weren't giving a, a, a schedule in advance of where those public consultations were going to take place. Which is ridiculous because you're planning this for years. Yeah. You you should you should know at least six months in advance where these specific consultations, the date and time for them are going to be. So the public can prepare themselves. And if you really if the intention is really to interface in a productive manner with the public, the public needs to in advance in advance to plan and come and be a part of the consultations. Yeah. And say and also that thing about we have to consult with our lawyers on this aspect of the act. You're supposed to come to prepared and totally conversant on the act. That's your work. That's your job. Come and tell me you had to talk with your attorneys to interpret the act at this stage. You know what the act is and what it means. You don't want to answer the question, but you know what the act is. It's your job to be completely conversant with the act and the implications of all aspects of the act. That is your job. You and the TNTEC board, RIC and the TNTEC board, and TNTEC management. Because that's what you operate by legally. 
If you're not conversant with the act, something wrong, you could be breaking the law and you don't know. Absolutely. What's such stupid answer is that? Yeah. You miss a bill with Flo, they cut you? I don't understand why Flo is allowed to owe. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. But Pet Butler can't owe. No, of course not. Pet Butler, oh, you know what happened there? Cut long time. Cut. And I understand if you, if maybe it's that flow, flows services form part of a security grid at some level, and it may impact national security, is it? I don't know. The flow, the flow of security solutions that the state is employed, that the state is using. If that is the case, I understand why, because then cutting the, the, the flow electricity may mean and may have a negative impact on some sort of security arrangement if that is the case but we don't know because we don't have the information it's eight o'clock and everybody's going to complain bitterly and you know she could complain oh my goodness yeah and then she's going to say but when she early nobody will take she on but when she late da, 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 mm -hmm. let me stop her before she come in and she hear all this thing yeah stop now all right good morning mrs bob you're not hearing paul Go ahead again, Paul. Good morning, Mrs. Bob. Good morning, Mr. Richards, and how are you? Is today the pizza day? Um, pizza? I doubt pizza? it. I, I, am not tea? entirely what's sure. Since I need to leave early, you know what my daughter has today. Equestrian, S swimming, or fencing? Astronomy. All right. Okay. So, all right. <laughs> so I'm thinking Thursday, so that we can all really enjoy. Good call. Um, Good call, know, Davey. It does, it does not in any way involve Steve. He does know this, right? I hope he does. Well, you should tell him. I not, let me just take off the mics and let me tell so you So looking forward to seeing you today, Paul. Why is your eye twitching when you said that? Let's get into it. <laughs> Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.